Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. Hey, George, I've got an itch, but if I scratch it, (laughs) I'm going to injure myself, given my Mm. scissored hands. Mm. Uh, Have I been watching too much wrestling, or did I just watch... The most Tim Burton-y movie I've watched all year, guys. Edward Scissorhands, my first watch, George's first watch, Travis. And my first watch. You've seen it before. Yeah, many times. Yeah. So, George, how you doing, man? New movie. Pretty good. You've been getting the, the infusion Mr. of Tim Burton. Uh, we just cranked up yep. the uh, the rate of infusion a little bit. We we put it on full, so it goes to 11. full Tim Burton. <laughs> full Tim Burton. How's yeah. that vein? You never go full Tim Burton. <laughs> um, we had John Mayer again. Yes. John Mayer is back. Yeah, it's great to see him in a movie again. Johnny mm-hmm. Depp Mayer. John John Mayer Depp. However you want to phrase that. Yeah, he's back. And uh, Very early Johnny Depp. Yeah. And um, Lydia. Lydia's back. Will's mom. From Beetlejuice. Did you not recognize her because her hair was a different color? Wait. Oh no. We told you she was. Guys. We're two Wait. minutes in. Oh my god. Wait. Oh my god. I have to apologize for my laugh cough because yeah. I'm gonna be doing this a lot, but I have like a laugh cough, so I apologize. Wait, what's her what's her real name? Winona Ryder. And she she played who? <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Okay, so yeah. All right. Um uh, yeah. What? <laughs> Lydia, she was the daughter yes. in Beetlejuice. In Beetlejuice. Yeah, yes. and year, now she's a year prior. And now she's the daughter in this movie. Right. Yes. Okay. Did I recognize her? Can't say that I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> oh my! And oh my, my wife even came in the room. And she's like, "Oh, went out a rider." And I was like, "How do you even know who she is?" She's, well, I don't know her face. And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> her voice. Holy moly. <laughs> Wow. Uh, so while we're on the topic, George, did you recognize the character of Jim from anything oh we've my, watched before? Oh my god! Which one was Jim? Jim was the kind Biff of the character, the Biff, the bully, the a hole. Broke into his house uh, and trapped Edward Skizzer fist. Her boyfriend. Her yeah, boyfriend. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, did I recognize the actor? Yeah. Sure. Yes. No, not at all. You've no. not recognized him in anything we've watched before. <laughs> Who is he? That's Gary. Oh, Gary. Oh, uh, you know what's funny? No, Mom, I never checked on Um, Gary. Um, yeah. I, Weird I, I said, I have, a, I have a classmate named Gary, and I said something about Gary, and I said, Gary, and my wife was like, she thought I was quoting SpongeBob because of the Gary's, the pet. Okay. And I was like, She's like, I can't hear that without thinking of SpongeBob, like the name Gary. And I was like, I can't think of it without thinking of weird science. Absolutely. Give me the key. It's crazy. Yeah. And also, uh, scissors die tonight, guys. Am I right? Yes. He was. It's Halloween. true. Killed. It's true. And this that, movie was actually The Dark uh, Knight. It's, it's, um, it's reverse Princess Bride. Kind of. You know. It's definitely a fairy tale induced uh fun. It's like it's not as you know, I don't know. You could tell the inspiration was 
fairy tales and Beauty and the Beast. Not Disney's Beauty and the Beast, but like you know that Frankenstein's monster, the the evil dies tonight. Who's, yeah, no. who was guest on? Uh, I don't think there was a guest on. Wasn't Anthony Michael Hall guest on? I mean, isn't that like the perfect casting here that we've got a guest yeah, on? Yeah, I guess character? he would be the guest on character in this movie. He's yeah. two for two as your cast, your guest on character. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was less like Beauty and the Beast, more like Hunchback of Notre Dame. But yeah, a lot of Frankenstein in here too. All Frankenstein-ish, good. My yeah, kids Kong watched even. most of it with me until they gave up, and uh, they were like, "Oh, hey, it's Frankenstein." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah." There you go. And it's Pinocchio as well. Little Pinocchio. Uh, it's actually Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, but well, the they castle, the, Gepe- the setup, that, that's the Frankenstein-y part. Vincent Price was right. Frankenstein. See, I always saw Vincent Price as Geppetto and Edward as Pinocchio, the boy he always wanted. I think all of these fairy tales kind of overlap. Yeah. These yeah. are same. Mm-hmm. These are Spider-Mans pointing at Spider-Mans. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. But 40 years old. It's a classic. So, I mean, really, guys, uh, you know, just again. Just this, this story. Yeah. First watch, you know, I, I'm still coming into this pretty fresh. I just finished it like an hour ago. Uh, it seems to me what we've got is like Tim Burton's meditation on like deist theology, but also like the isolation of the artistic process and the insulation of an artist from his uh, clients, you know, but then also... Climate change. We got a lot going on here, guys. Tim Burton was busy. Hmm. Also, he reblocked. Well, he didn't write it. He reblocked <laughs> the last scene of Batman '89 to be the last scene of this movie, and that was confusing to me. Yeah. Like, like note for note, the last fight in the Batman movie happens at the end of this movie for some reason. Yeah. But it's also the last fight in Beauty and the Beast as well. Yeah. So that's weird. Doing it mm. twice. Twice as nice. But again, yeah. he he didn't write it. He just shot it. Oh. Well, cool. But the person who did write it was inspired by all that stuff. So, makes sense. There you go. All those stories in his style. But hey, uh, my bingo card was full pretty quick because we had the Danny Elfman score that I swear was Batman Returns. Uh, <laughs> right. Holy crap. They're the same score. But? But this one Two first. years prior. Yeah. Yep. So he reused parts, uh, ideas, I guess. I mean, how many scores can he write in a five-year period? You know? I don't know. Right. I don't do scores. Uh, also, we had the stripes, the mm-hmm. potato bug, whatever, you know, the fumigation tent that was striped like every other high-quality Tim Burton production. I mean, we were Tim Burton up to our knees at that point. Mm. But we got Diane Weist, who's awesome. And Conchata Farrell uh, from that awful show that used to be on TV, Two and a Half Men. She's wonderful, though. Nothing against her. Wait, who? who, She's Helen, the kind of rough and tumble one who doesn't buy the makeup at the beginning. She was the housekeeper on Two and a Half Men, and she was great. The Mimi character. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. We like her. And the father. I, I... Big fan of Alan Arkin. You know him from Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Yeah. But yeah, he's good. Like, he, he plays this character. There's a movie that we probably will watch at some point called Little Miss Sunshine. 
that he plays the grandfather in, and he's he's this character times a hundred. Yeah, like just inappropriate, creepy grandfather, but funny. Never, like, ugh. I didn't think he was creepy. Did you think he was creepy? No, not in this movie. I'm saying in that movie he okay. plays this character because he he pops up in a few movies. There's, uh, I think, so he married an axe murderer. He plays the uh, Joey Pants type character okay. in that movie where he's the captain of the police. Uh huh. And he's really funny in that he just has this dry Ron. He's like Ron. He reminds yeah. me of Ron. No, yeah, he rem- yeah he he plays a perfect uh perfect stressed out dad. Yeah, but. Right. It's it, depending on the levels of writing, and I don't know how much improv he does, but yeah, he's ne- he never fails to be funny, even when he's trying not to. Like be. I'm, I'm not touching the thermostat in his house. No, you know, no, not happening. No, it's good. Played well. They both were good. I mean, the the Diane Weist, I always liked her. <laughs> all the, all the Avon, he's <laughs> like so great. Yeah, that's that's sign of the times. I guess what this took place in the sixties. I don't know. Well, when she's but telling like, the story at the end, she's old. That's modern times, right? So that was eighty. Was that, that modern was 90, times? 90. Really, uh, this movie not, I, didn't do the best job of like pinning down time frames. Were the cars when they were driving around in the story part were those sixties cars or eighties cars? They were not eighties cars. They were earlier than that. I yeah, think. they were like late, probably late seventies. I was yeah. not paying attention. The, when the dads were returning, uh, the husbands were returning home. They weren't 50s yeah. style cars, but they weren't 80s, as far as I can remember. Hmm. That town was uh, interesting. the The contrast between the castle at the top of the hill and the and the suburb at the bottom of the hill, yeah, was obviously stark on purpose, but. It was kind of like, I mean, I've never seen this movie, but like it reminded me of Pleasantville, you mm-hmm. know, like just everything is just so. Like, and uh, yeah, it looked like a 50s town to like a stereotypical 50s suburban type right. thing. Yeah. Like uh, with like pastel colors. Yeah, it pastel. looked like the kind of place they would test nukes in a Call of Duty game, you know, <laughs> right? that old nuke town <laughs> yes. level from many years ago. It reminds me of like the the old ads for Allentown, Pennsylvania, where it's like, oh, buy this these cookie cutter houses. All the factory guys. Yeah. But it was cool because it was like it was a style, you know. Well, yeah. and there was, was a big fucking castle right on the hill. Yeah, it was a contrast to yeah to him. It was just a really cool like you know very mash- yin and yang. Well, I think it was more than that. It was like. Night and day, or yeah. it was super, super different well, on he, purpose, and it was cool. It was cool looking, mm-hmm. like you know, obviously the castle and stuff. Like that's all, like that's all, like Burton. But then, like the town at the bottom of the hill is kind of like how Burton views the world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that was purposely. Tim Burton's like, different, right? And it's just like mm-hmm. he's he's the castle at the top of the hill, and. Everyone else, like all the normal people, look like this to him. Right. See, I took it more that it was Edward Scissorhands' view of what he wanted. The castle was sure. what he had and what he was. Yeah, yeah, it's that too. And yeah. then that that stereotypical, like you, you know how you look at family, they say Facebook's this way, like 
Everybody's Facebook happy. Yes. But you don't really know what's going it's on behind their very, doors. very much like that. Right. Yes. So this town is the same way. Like, everybody's like, hi, how are you doing? And mm-hmm. then they're on the phones gossiping about each other. And it's like, uh, you know, it's a church parking lot. <laughs> yes. You know, you're in there doing your thing, and then you come out, and you can't even get to your car before you're being talked about or talking about. Yes. You know what I mean? That's like the, the idea that most people have. So to me, that's the way I looked at that was visually it was everything was you know well kept and everybody looked well done up or whatever but behind closed doors they're a mess everybody was a mess and did you notice how at you know obviously at first when edward scissors hands <laughs> i'm going to call him scissors hands um scissors came down from the mountain his uh, mm, diversity, let's call it, mm-hmm. compared to everything else there, really at first improved that town. His yes. his, you know, totally turned his out. Well, yeah, his out his his uh outside of the box kind of thinking, like the not being a part of that that group. Mm-hmm. Coming in as a total outsider with like an artistic kind of childish, you know, just weird, non-traditional way was just like a slam dunk right. to them. And what's funny is watching it now, how relevant it is now. Back then, it seemed... Like, when you grew up in the 80s, if you were a quirky kid or you were an art kid or you were, you know, different, you didn't have, you had to be in, I don't want to say in a closet, but you had to be kind of a, uh, that thought process where, oh, I can't let too many people know how I am or who I am because then they're going to judge me and think that I'm weird or I'm this or that. Yeah. You were the artsy kid or the, you know, the, the the heavy metal kid or whatever you were. Or you might like feet. Or you like feet. You know, whatever. But this movie, I think, is kind of progressive in that. It it is very progressive. Because it kind of says, okay, because I know personally from growing up in that time period, you didn't have, like, the thing that made you weird, your talent Mm -hmm. or your interests, usually made you separate from everybody in a bad way, in your mind. Like, you were almost afraid to show your creativity or show your collection When really, when in reality, when your creativity and your weirdness is unleashed... It becomes your strength. Exactly. Right. And it it improves every... the whole community as a whole. Right. Counterpoint. cool. Uh, Ed Gein. Stop. <laughs> you didn't know this was part of the Texas Chainsaw Psycho timeline? No. Uh, yeah. I, I saw it. Let me just say one last thing. What was the uh, the inscription above the door in uh, in the Matrix? It was something mm. like, uh, be true to yourself or something like that. Dude, that's season I, one. I don't remember shit. Yeah. She, that's, what it, that's what it is. That's what it reminded me of. It was like, be who you are. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would never go the extreme of, you know, the guy digging up bodies and making furniture out of bones. 
Um, you don't think that improved that town? You were talking about, I, I you know, know, when their art and collection are unleashed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, nowadays, you, it, that's embraced. Like, you're, you're almost, your artsy quirkiness is embraced today. Like, this it, movie is basically if Tim Burton. You, if you are unique... You are it's an in, asset. you are always kind of well. I'm gonna say always, but like it, you you are embraced if you're truly unique. Well, a lot, a lot. Well, you find of, your people. Yeah, but, well, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe you're following small. Maybe your following's big. But you're embraced by somebody if you're truly if you're truly unique and special. You know what I mean? Right. And there's a, like I mean today, just think about like it's like uh, the movie. Uh, uh, Ralph breaks the internet. Mm-hmm. It says it says it all in one line. When they're like, "Well, what are you gonna do in your videos?" And he's like, "I don't know. Whatever's popular. Mm-hmm. Like whatever everyone else is doing. Like everyone is doing that right now. Right. TikTok, whatever. Like, and in it's all the same shit. With like everyone's doing the same thing. Right. You know. And the first person who did it, maybe it was funny, but like every now and then, someone comes along that is truly like different. Right. Like Paul Rubens. Well, see, and well, you're, I'm thinking you're of, saying a lot I'm of I'm thinking this. of that alien, ca- uh, the alien comics guy. What's his name? He just he does these. He, they're called beings. Okay. I forget his name. The blue aliens. Yeah. That see the, the aliens from that, a new that wear. Yeah, the aliens that only wear socks. You know what I'm talking about? Do they steal them from dryers? I don't know. <laughs> but I forget his I forget his name. But he's 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 just unique, right. and he's super popular on on. You know, tape face. Uh, there's there's a lot of people like that 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 take the extra. Um, just their talent makes the ex- the odd extraordinary. Like, you look at somebody and you're like, yeah, that guy's weird, or that that act is weird, or he dresses weird. But then when the when you add the talent or the glass ceiling breaking idea that they have, it makes them brilliant. And then they're accepted by even people that would normally not even watch what they're doing. I feel like because you guys of, are really a- approaching the story of this movie with a big dose of like 30 years of hindsight where the story on paper is, you know, one of like a, an artist like Tim Burton, for example, yeah, afraid to leave their castle because they fear that they will be shunned and be forced to just create art in isolation. Um, I, again, like I, when the movie came out, I always looked at it. Yes, this is Tim Burton's basically his autobiography. Yeah, a little bit. And it's, it's, it's his, um, inability to, he, I mean, he's obviously was kind of an introvert and I never took it as he, he's being forced to put his art out there when he wants to just remain in the cave. But I took it more as a. Uh, a story of belonging and acceptance. But in like, this movie, that's not what this movie is. The, this movie is the story of an artist who is accepted as long as it's useful and then rejected and forced back into isolation. I think that's exactly, wh- exactly True. what it is. And I think that's a commentary on the people, not so much the artist. Or is it it's a like, comment? I mean, is it, is it the, the exact word? I mean, because he's a co-writer on the story. You know, right. is it is it his expression of a, a a concern that you know all he is going to be done, all that's going to happen to him, is he's going to be used by Hollywood, 
and then rejected ultimately and alone. Well, I don't believe that happened at all. I think well, that's the thirty years of hindsight that we have now. (laughs) But that is that is true. All all of what you're saying is true. Um, I'm glad that his career played out the way it did. I'm glad we have My Chemical Romance now. Mm. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, this his style, whatever makes whatever this unique thing that he has, it's stuck, and I'm glad it did. Mm-hmm. But I, but I do hear you, Dan. Like, it is almost like I, I guess like a like a warning or like maybe a, a prediction that. Or just, I mean, this could or be just a story, a story that he general. had. This could be his feelings before Pee Wee, when he's making you know the the initial version of Frank and Weenie, and he's hoping to get on big mm-hmm. as a director. But this like, you know, this this counterforce, this feeling of like, ooh, you know, even if they do accept me, they're only going to accept me until they don't want me anymore, and then they're going to cast me out because they're going to realize I've got scissors for hands or some shit. Hmm. Well, what's cool about him is he figured out a way juggle both like he played Hollywood so he could play himself he could he did Batman so that he could do Edward Scissorhands yeah uh, he did uh, Planet of the Apes so that he could do Ed Wood like there there are things that he he compromised on and said okay I know what Hollywood is I know what this animal is and can do to people and careers and vision I'm going to use that I'm going to use them to become the Tim Burton that can make my own movies. And one yeah, for them, one for make. me. One for them, one for right. me. Right. And, and it basically was that. That's right. exactly what he did. I mean, and then every once in a while you'll get like a, a combination of the two and you get like goodness like Mars Attacks where it's like, it's a popcorn film. And they went and they got, I don't know if Burton went to them or whatever, but, you know, he did Ed Wood and that one or nominated for Oscars. I don't know if it won any. I think it won one actor award. But then he goes and does the same campy 60s tops cards kind of spoof on, you know, that that 50s sci-fi. But it's still Burton-esque. Then he makes like something like Sleepy Hollow, which is again a Hollywood film, but it's so Burton because it's made. That story is made for him. Yeah, I mean, even in the well, I mean, I haven't seen all of Burton's films, but even in the ones that you're saying are, you know, for Hollywood, there's still Burton in there. The only ones that were missteps were, I would say, Planet of the Apes. He probably never should have touched that, but yeah. visually, it was, it was beautiful. And perfect, but content-wise, eh. yeah, and it's a shame because I, I don't think he was he should have directed that. But I'm I'm glad what we got from that. But then, because without Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, we don't get uh, Matt Reeves' Planet of the Apes. And without that, that we phenomenal. don't get back to Batman. That's weird, right? Right. To go Batman to apes to apes to Batman. <laughs> Interesting. His Planet of the Apes. Are as are equal to Nolan's Batman's. Let's put it that way. If that makes sense, you might have a bias, an ape bias. No, I just I I've seen the originals. They're okay. You may have an ape bias, me. Travis. 
No. I just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm seeing what Burton did to it, it visually was really good. The the effects were all great and everything, but the it was still a nineties action film. Sure. Matt Reeves' Planet of the Apes is a complete story. It's a good solid even if there were no apes in it, it's a good solid story. Human story. But it's apes. Yeah. It's an ape story. It's an ape story, but it's a human story. Not not that there's humans in it. Like there's human quality to the ape characters. If that makes sense. I think you should say it if you've never seen them. I no, I haven't. Uh I've seen a like I mean And Andy Circus's work. There's like one scene that's kind of like epic in Planet of the Apes that I know of, but I've never seen any of the movies. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Andy Circus plays the main ape. Okay. It's all motion cap. He's basically been Gollum. He's been King Kong. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's who he been is. every yeah. animal that uh-huh. has won an Oscar base. Should should have won an Oscar. Yes. And he was Alfred. And he was Alfred. Yes. Anyway, so Edward Scissorhands. Scissors hands. Scissors hands. Uh, it's a beautiful story. It is. It's it beautiful, is. beautiful story. It's that perfect kind of George movie where everybody ends up sad at the end, but just a little yeah, sad. It was a tragedy for you. Nice yeah. little tragedy. It's very complex too. You know, we just talked for uh, what a what, half an hour about all the different things this movie is, mm-hmm. and. You know, I grew up thinking, because I saw this movie on TV when I was 10. I was thinking that this is just like, I don't know, popcorn, you know, whatever. Right. And like, now that I actually watch it with some background, it's like, damn. Yeah, no, it, it definitely has a story to tell. And it's all, what's the movie that just came out that is Steven Spielberg's life story, basically? The Fablemans. Yes. This I think Edward Scissorhands is Tim Burton's Fableman's. Like, it's just, it's his life story. It's probably his baby, other other than uh, Frank and Weenie, which was his first baby. <laughs> I think this movie was the one he really always wanted to make. And then eventually when he made Batman, he was able to make it to, to its uh, potential with a budget and studio backing and a fan following you know this movie probably wouldn't have made it if it was his first film would have been too weird i don't know might have hit with a uh a loud bang you know depending on the marketing that this, too this one yeah. seems to really uh i don't know re- it seems that a lot of people really love this movie uh i have a feeling well, it would have found its audience yeah a lot of people feel um you know, outcast, mm-hmm. but that they, they also feel like that they have something to offer that people don't really understand. And well, that's the kind of people that this resonates with. Definitely. For sure. And it also takes that classic story of the misunderstood monster mm-hmm. that everybody loves and takes the female character, changes her a bit, to where she's not a damsel, but she's misunderstood and mm-hmm. she's uh, misled. Eventually, I don't know if her, I don't know if the final 
idea of her falling in love with him was conveyed correctly. I don't think the time frame allowed for it with her character. I don't know if it was her character or whatever, but she never seemed to have gotten to that. When she says, I love you in the ca- in that castle, mm-hmm. but then when he says goodbye. Yeah. Like, it was almost like that moment where it's like, oh, if, if there had just been a few moments prior to that. Oh, there was a few. There know, were a few, but she, I didn't, I didn't, I feel like there was like maybe a few scenes cut yeah. between them to where you it really all you, all you needed was the snow. That's yeah. all you needed, really. Yeah. And I, I contend still to this day, and I know it's an old controversy, but I think there was room for Edward Scissorhands on that door. I don't think she had to <laughs> yes. leave him. No. That's true. <laughs> That's Jack. true. And also, I mean, I mean, you know, the roof caved in on him, right? It bopped him on no the head one, real good, yeah. No one, no one goes into you know, just like you know, confirm or like you know, like. Well, they're all a bunch of shallow people. The, too, you know, first of all, you know, retrieve the remains, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. No, we're just like, oh, he died in there. All right, cool, peace. Yeah, they kind of tried. To and play also, with he the got shocked guilt. by a microphone. That doesn't happen. Metal to metal? Well, you can touch metal to metal all day did he, long. Did he snip it? Is it doesn't question. matter. It's 48 volts. Okay. If, if it's even 48 volts. Mm. Some are passive. No electric at all. Mm. But I digress. Ah, you do digress. I forgive it. <laughs> um... Johnny Depp. Yeah, what about him? A couple weeks ago, you had mentioned you didn't like him. I never mentioned that. Didn't we talk about that? How you were like... I, eh. I said I was a big Depp guy, and you said I didn't recognize him because I uh, thought he was uh, John Mayer. <laughs> oh, you are talking about way back then? <laughs> no, he came up a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember what we were yeah, talking about. Yeah, and I said we I like Johnny Depp, and you were like, you didn't, you didn't even recognize him okay. in that movie. You thought he was John Mayer. That was a few weeks ago. And I've never been a huge Johnny Depp guy, but I maybe it was you. I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff. You know, he makes movies I don't watch generally. So now, having watched one of his movies, <clears throat> I dare say I still don't. I don't know what the big deal is. Uh, <laughs> really? He, he was. I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't know. I I found I found him. I don't know. I, f- I felt like it was a an acting clinic in this movie. Wow, what a what a stark difference between your opinions. Yeah. I mean, hundred hundred and I think a it was like a hundred and fifty lines total in this movie, or something like that. Yeah, I kept getting these vibes, and and other stuff played into it too. That like this movie could have been a movie about you know instead of uh, Edward Scissorhands, it could have been Michael Butcherknife Hands. And yeah, he could no. have been wearing the Michael Myers mask, and I just wouldn't have felt any different about the acting. Like, there was a lot of yeah, I th- not face acting. I guess it was probably eye acting, right? I, <sighs> you didn't see any face acting? There was some, there was but a like, lot of body language, a lot of, lot of it was unsaid fine. words. It was fine. But it, I, was it doesn't like make me, like, want to run out and, like, 
watch more Johnny Depp movies. I don't know. Uh, uh, I, I think we're both on two different islands. <laughs> I think so too. On this one, like I, I found him uh, mesmerizing with the stuff he was doing without words. Uh, a lot of facial, a lot of playing off of other uh, characters. I I I think his uh I think I I fall more on uh on Dan's side here. Really? Yeah, and I don't think it's like and it's not bad. Like, you know, I think Dan's position he stated it pretty clearly was it was fine. Right? <laughs> so it was it was fine. I mean, and when you're playing a character, it, I think it's tough to play a character that doesn't say anything. Yeah, right? but it, it's not just the not talking. And, and it's like the his being whole, a, a full grown adult boy. Yeah, and his but his whole thing is like, it's like okay, act timid all the time. Like that's hard to like be complex, like be a complex character. But like your characters just be timid all the time. Was he timid or was he just inexperienced? He's timid. And, and he's confused. He doesn't understand yeah. shit. Yeah. It's, it's tough to play that and get like, you know who did a really good job of playing that? There's an episode of Community <laughs> when um, when Chang, <laughs> Chang leaves the show for, uh, I guess it's a couple episodes or whatever. But anyways, when he comes back, he has Changnesia. Right. Um, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't remember anything from his past, and he thinks his name is Kevin. And he does a really good job of acting Kevin. like, yeah, he does a really good job of acting like he doesn't know anything. Hmm. It's a great. It's it's not even just an episode. It's like it's like whole like six episodes long. Wow. He he goes it's through a mini this. series. Well, it's not all about that. It's just you know his character in all of these these six episodes or seven episodes or whatever. He's no longer uh, Ben Chang. He's Kevin. Gotcha. For those six episodes, before you realize he's faking. Spoiler <laughs> alert for Community. Jeez. Yeah, really. We didn't. Get I, that. I mean, guys. Still guys, episode one. Seriously, guys. It's called Changnesia. <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously faking. Okay. Um. Hmm. Now, actually, no. They, I think it's in the first episode where, like, when he's by himself, he has inner dialogue, where you know he's not for real. Gotcha. Maybe it's like the second or third episode in or whatever. You you find out pretty quick. It's not real. Hmm. But. All right. So. Uh. Yeah. Did you recognize the inventor, the old man? Geppetto. Geppetto. Did you recognize who that was? Mm, I no. did. <laughs> well, of course you did. <laughs> that was the great legendary Vincent Price. Okay, I have heard that name. He's been You've on the show once before. Once, yes. Okay, what was he? Or who was he? The video thriller. He does the okay. poetry to music. I don't want to say rap. It's kind of a rap. There's some odd, of rap. odd rap uh, language in it that makes it feel less like a poem and more like a rap. Hmm. But he's just legendary. So, so did you see him in the Thriller video? No. No. 
He just wrote that. He was in The Fly, the original Fly, that you okay. were supposed to watch but didn't because we never really went that route. You never assigned it. Right. But he's he's a bit of an icon. Old. Wait, old I have school. a question. Can we get back to Beetlejuice real quick? Yeah. Do you remember when Beetlejuice like reached out of the model and like grabbed the fly and the fly was like, help me? Yes. yes that's what Isn't that's that from the original fly? It's from the original fly. That's what I thought. So Vincent Price is the character that is helping little Timmy or Bobby find this house fly. He's like, show me where it was. And then they finally, okay. at the very end, they find that house fly in a spider web out in the garden. Okay. And it's saying, help me. Right. Help me. And then he's doing that. Help me. And then they zoom in on it, and it's it's a fly with a human head. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Like but he's 50s, in everything. Gotcha. Sci-fi. In the 50s yeah. and 60s, he was in The Raven, okay, so... Mask of the Red Death. Like, he's all over the place. Yes. And he was House Egghead on the 60s Batman show. Yes, he was. But that was a good get. Yeah. And I think he died like two years after they made that movie. Oh, that's a shame. I liked his uh, his contraption for making cookies. Oh, uh, the one where the feet didn't even touch the table. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. The, I, I don't. I don't care. I liked it. So it was fantastic. Why did eighties and nineties movies have food making Rube Goldberg machines? At every I don't know, turn? but it's the sec. It's like the second one in three weeks. Well, I think it's a Tim Burton thing. I know anything, it's yeah. Tim Burton. But, you know, Back to the Future <laughs> has that big machine that feeds the dog. Yeah. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the That's Kids true. has like a whole bunch of those machines in the beginning of the movie. But like, Gremlins does not, and the dad's like an inventor. Like, yeah, he, he kept them all separate because you got to be able to sell the individual machines. You can't exactly. sell the whole you know, system. You don't want the Henry Ford uh, conveyor belt assembly line. Well, see, he was all about efficiency. Right. Uh, the inventor in Gremlins, the father. <laughs> Nothing was efficient. <laughs> Nothing is efficient Nothing. about these Rube Goldberg machines. <laughs> so it was like they it are fun of, to watch, though. It reminded me of the old Tom and Jerry cartoons where every single time Tom tried to catch Jerry, he had like that huge diagram drawn out, the mousetrap, <laughs> where it was basically just a wooden cat climbing up yeah. these stairs, this ladder to a hanging cheese to the... yeah. Never worked. This kind of worked. Made a boy out of something. Works, worked great. Yeah, that's what. It, that's where his in, his inspiration came from. Yeah. And through the throughout the movie, there was like, there were parts where um, Edward was trying to do everyday things with scissor hands, mm. and you would think that that would get old. Never gets old. It never gets old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, For Dan, that, it did. I mean, it does, but like sometimes, like it, they they varied it up really well. Like, you know, he's trying to pick up the glass of of whiskey. Yeah. Right. And he's well, like, they had to and do the for straw thing. and for thirty straight seconds, he's just trying and trying and trying and trying to pick up the glass, and it's it's comical, right? The pee it's, was good too. It's sad. Yeah. It's sad and comical, and then but it's it's. And then he gives him the straw after like thirty straight seconds of him, uh, you know, fiddling with it. You know, he's great. Like the the scissor hand can just like unlock any door, but like if he's on the other side and it's like one of those like little turn knob things, can't do anything. Can't open it. Right. Like it's it's comical, 
and it's sad. In in a way that like it's it's so unique. How can something be so funny and so sad like at the same time? Word. So. And then like when he's chopping lettuce, like, oh, that's his wheelhouse. Yeah. Like, no problems there. Get out of my way. My daughter loves this movie. She watches that one scene over and over again where uh, he's in the waterbed, <laughs> which is a good gag, and it's kind of like what you're talking about, where it's like, you know it's coming. Yeah. Um, but that whole, that whole interaction in the hallway where she comes out and she's like, you know, man, am I bad? Yeah, and he like walks. And he comes walking out and she's like, there he is, there he is. <laughs> like, we must have watched that scene like a hundred times because she just thought that was, his walk was so funny. Yeah, his walk <laughs> is funny. And the dad is funny. Like, yes. Like, I, to me, I, I, I think the characters in this, <laughs> in this movie are, are good and unique, but stereotypically like have been done before. Like they, they feel like they're, they're common. Yes. But the way they're played, they're unique. Yeah, that makes sense. Like they're 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 everybody you've seen. All the they're they're Ward and June Cleaver, they're Lucy and Desi. Mm-hmm. They're they're everybody from that era, but they're quirky enough to where it's like, okay, these are the human versions of those TV show families. Hey, uh, so one thing I noticed on this movie tonight, uh, scissors hands, um, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just not something I'd ever thought of. Maybe this was common in the fifties, but did hairdressers uh, generally give women haircuts on vibrating lawn chairs? Um, Cause that one yes. chick seemed like she was in the middle of an herbal essences commercial. I think she was, had a knife fetish. <laughs> It was weird. It kind of brought yeah. me just one step closer to seeing like the lens through which some people see Michael Myers. Guys, I still don't get it. Why is Michael yeah. Myers your sexy daddy? But I think right. she was that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was I weird, think, guys. I think also, just, she was she was hard up for like she every was a bit of a nymphomaniac. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she wanted the guy fixing her dishwasher. There's nothing special about him. So I have one interesting. Uh, Fun fact for you, Dan. Okay. Ooh. And, oh, for Dan. And George. Uh, originally, these actors were thought to be cast. Oh, I love when you do this. As Edward Scissorhands. I like this because it puts me in like the, the movie making yes. process room or whatever. Gary Oldman is going to play who? Th- these are all Edward Scissorhands. Back in 1990, 80, okay. 89. So... 1989, Gary Oldman is not Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. He's very young, very unknown. I have seen him younger in some things, haven't I? Yes. Uh, Tom Hanks. Okay, for Edward? Yes. Jim Carrey? That would have been terrible. James Carrey, back then. That would have been not good. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Hold on, can we just stop? Can we just stop and talk about how bad Jim Carrey would be? Would have been as Edward? Yeah. Yeah, like, because he can't shut up. <laughs> do you think that Jim Carrey could like not move for the amount of time you'd need to not move? Once you see be... Jim Carrey in a few dramatic roles, uh, you will yes. regret this conversation. Because he's, he's actually a, when he gets going on full, he's a good actor, full speed. He's fantastic. 
You've just never seen that because you've only seen his like cartoon stuff. You know, you know, I have seen him in one serious thing. And he was good. He's real good. The number 23. Mm. Uh, Spotless Mind is probably one of his. Spotless Mind. Well, I thought the is Majestic good. was fine, although it seems majestic like people really, really good. like panned it at the time. But it was all right. It was good. I take it. I take it back. And the Keep Truman, the, you know what? The Truman Show is a good mix. Truman Show, of the two. that's a good one. That's true. That's true. Liar, liar. <laughs> uh, Dirty Harry Five. <laughs> one of my come on. One of my favorites. Let's go. The Liar, liar is probably my favorite Jim Carrey movie. Yeah, Liar, liar is good. Sure. Did you have you seen the? Is it I the fifth Dirty Harry movie when he plays time. like Axl Rose, essentially? Oh, he's in Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, whichever one yeah. that is. One of those yeah, Dirty Harry movies that shouldn't... They're not numbered, right? So I can never remember, but... I think it's <laughs> the like, It's one. like the fourth one, third or fourth. Uh, four, fourth it's toward the end. It's toward the end. It's towards the end. Yeah, Jim Carrey as Axl Rose in a Dirty Harry movie because we're playing Mad Libs on the remedial <laughs> film class. <laughs> yeah. All right, I don't keep, know if I, keep okay. going. I take it back. Never mind. It'll probably be fine. Robert Downey Jr. from 1989, so you kind of remember him from Weird Science. He was kind of yep. goofy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, too, too real. Could have been interesting. I think Michael Jackson is Edward Scissorhands. The, 1992 is the last year they could have seriously considered casting him in anything, I think. Yes. But that would have been interesting. I would have liked to see Michael that. Jackson is Edward Scissorhands. True. True. So... Uh, the actor that was committed to the role and actually sat in on meetings mm-hmm. and made suggestions, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Huh. Tom fucking Cruise. I w- can, yeah. Wanted them to rewrite the ending and they told him bye. Mm-hmm. That's That's what I found out. I had no idea Tom Cruise was ever considered for Edward Sessions, let alone actually be part of the development. But, That's very yeah. weird. So I thought that that is weird. Uh, and I think it's all I got on this episode. George, of, uh, uh, facts. George, quick question. How does this rank yeah. for you? Beetlejuice, Batman 89, Batman returns. And this one, where do you, what's your order? Damn. We did a lot of Tim, uh, Tim Burton. Oh, and Pee Wee. Don't forget Pee Wee. Shit. Pee Wee. Got a handful, handful right, of burden. So, how how many do we have total? Five movies. Five movies. Four, five movies. And it was Scissors, Batman Returns, Beetlejuice, uh, Pee Wee, and what? OG Batman. Can oh, we, and, can and we guess Batman. your top, your no, order no, no, first. Let the man speak. Let the man speak. Okay, mm. let's just do that. Beetlejuice is number one for sure. Yes. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as movies that I like, um, yeah, your rewatchability scale. My rewatchability like, would you scale. Pop it on tomorrow. I think. I think I like return. Mm, this is hard. Mm. Wait till we add. Th- Five more Burton films. This that you is haven't really seen yet. this is really hard. So, uh, Beetlejuice is number one, and uh, Batman. 
His ear, I think I like smoking right now. I'm not sure if I if it's just recency bias, but I liked Returns better than 89, and I think I said that during the episode yes, too. And Dan had a coronary. Yeah, and he had a coronary. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with bat with Batman Returns, and then. Then scissors hands, and then eighty nine, and then Pee Wee. Wow. But that's not to say that any of those movies at the bottom of the list are like no. stinkers. They're not. It's like listing the ranking of your children. <laughs> like <laughs> they're all, they're all good. They're all, they're all, they're all good. good. But so some are closer to you than others. That's all. Yeah. I got you. Well, there you go. I see you. I mean, you're wrong, but that's okay. Free country. Yeah, well, what should it be? What I would th- go... What, Trav, what did you think I would say? I don't know. I mean, that sounds about right. Uh, I didn't know where you would fall on Pee Wee. That was kind of the yeah. thing. And I couldn't tell from this episode really how much you liked Scissor's Hands. Scissor Hands. I like scissor, Scissor's Hands a lot. So there you go. Uh, for me, it's definitely more like a Batman, Beetlejuice, Pee Wee, Batman Returns, Scissor Hands situation. Hmm. If I'm doing it. Yeah, Sister Hands was exactly middle of the pack for me, I think. Paging right, Mr. It was number Herman. Three for me. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman. Paging Mr. Herman. So good. <laughs> hey, uh, what? So where are we what? going from here, dudes? I think there's only one way to go. More burden again? I think we're going to burn him out. We should probably do the best. Tim Burton movie ever made. <laughs> we already did. No, we did the most Tim Burton-y Tim Burton movie ever made. Right, right, right. No, the best Tim Burton movie ever made was Beetlejuice. Mm. But you have not seen them all. So, this week, we are going to do a less Burton-y movie. But still Burton. Maybe. We're going to do... <laughs> Maybe. Well... I think you could tell me. It's possible. We'll find out. I, if it's Burton, I'm going to see his name in the Have you ever heard first two the seconds. movie Scarface? Yes. I don't know if he even realized that's a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you almost got the cough laugh. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's the name of that dog from Hanna-Barbera? It's like... <gasps> <laughs> I can't friggin' do it. I don't want to cough all over his room. What the hell's the name of that dog? Snidely, whatever. From what? Hanna Barbera. It was like the bad guys. It was the uh, bad guys' dog, and he used to do this goofy laugh. I don't know, but that dude's name just popped into my head. Remember the <laughs> Alien Illustrator guy? Nathan Pyle. H- Nathan Pyle. Strange, strange go. world. Oh, Shout out to strange planet. HR Giger. <laughs> He said the Alien Illustrator. I was like, Giger? Strange, strange Planet, I think it's called. Okay. That's a good Nature strip. Pile. Good comic strip. Highly recommend it. Yeah. Anyway, cut all that Hanna-Barbera nah, shit I don't. Nah, I don't cut, cut it. it. It's great. It's good stuff. Get it. Um, Lord. No, I won't do it. So what's... <laughs> Dude, your Beetlejuice is awesome. Sand worms. Ate them. Ate them, right? <laughs> Throw your voice. <laughs> Learn to throw your voice. Fool your friends. Fun at parties. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, I attended uh, Juilliard. I 
graduated Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague. And I'm dead! <laughs> and I had a pretty good time doing that. I had seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Good job for not clipping the mic there. Yeah, I, I saw it. I was watching uh, good stuff. my perif. My all-pro perif. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so George shit. what do you yeah, know about Scarface. the movie Scarface oh yeah that's the movie Scarface I know that there is a gun and it's a little friend oh shit okay alright we don't have to watch it now that is the scene that I associate with Scarface okay is that all you know about Scarface <laughs> Do you know who's in it? Uh, you obviously don't know who directed it. Because he never knew it was Tim uh, Burton, did he? No. Did you grow up knowing that Tim Burton you, did I Scarface? You, I think you're fucking with me. <laughs> um, I think that uh, another great director that I should know directed Scarface. Mm. And I think it was... Uh, I won't even say... Did you just fall down a well? Was that? <laughs> I hit the screen <laughs> on my mic stand. <laughs> I was going to get Lassie to go down, <laughs> tell the police that you're in the bottom of the well. <laughs> Bong. <laughs> Travis cannot stop laughing. <laughs> I just don't want to start coughing. I'm trying to avoid it. And I can't. <laughs> brought the gummies <laughs> there's that laugh I'm talking about that's the snidely whatever that was the name of that dog anyway Whew. so you don't even you don't even know what actors are in this movie is I do I do it's uh it's John Travolta yes <laughs> and and <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Depp and John Depp um <laughs> It's uh, Frank Caliendo. Why not a writer, but you won't recognize Wee. him. Wee. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I want to see Travolta in Scarface, actually. <laughs> Wee. <laughs> Up your nose with a rubber hose. Um, you see him like with the coat like from uh, Pulp Fiction, kind of looking for nothing. Okay, ah, so. All right. Back to reality. How do we have any listeners? I don't know. <laughs> it's the dude from uh yeah, I know there's there's an actor in it that I know. <laughs> there is, yeah, that guy. There's an actor and in it's, it. That's true. And it's and my uh I keep wanting to say it's like the guy from Rocky. What the hell's his name? Uh, Stallone. But it's not him. No, it's not. It's not Stallone. It's the guy from uh, Heat. Say hello to my little friend. Yeah, who's the guy from Heat? Robert De Niro? De Niro. No. Val Kilmer. No. Val Kilmer. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm your Huckleberry. Ah, fuck! I uh, can't Pacino? remember. Pacino? Yeah, is it Pacino? 
Hoo-ha. It's it's Pacino, right? I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, but I don't. <laughs> I'm just guessing. I mean, I'm guessing. I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, let's watch the movie. Okay, sure. Fuck it. We better watch that movie next week, and then uh, yeah, we'll, we'll bring that. that to the fine people. Nice. I think I know what you're playing during our credits. Spong. Spong. Sprong. Can you do like, can you get like a clip of like bats' wings flapping? <laughs> For when you're at the bottom of the well. <laughs> it's my origin why do, story. Why do we fall, sir? It's, yes, it's, <laughs> it's Dan's so origin story. <laughs> it's Dan's origin story. <laughs> <sighs> and that's how he became Bat Dan. And thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us at facebook.com slash remedialfilmpod. We'll be back next week with the Brian De Palma classic, uh, but don't tell George, because he still thinks it's Tim Burton. Scarface. <laughs>